Hello there, and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Today's guest has been a senator, was a presidential election candidate, but will always be known as the founder of Pieta House, set up to help the prevention of suicide and self-harm. It's a pleasure to welcome Joan Freeman. And Joan, you grew up in a, in a busy family in Dublin. What are your memories of your youth and childhood? Well, well, first of all, yes, I was born in Dublin and uh, there were eight children in, in, in our family. But when I was a year old, my parents and six children at that point left to live in England, looking, my dad looking for work because the work was so hard to find at that time. So for the first uh, 11 years then, I, I lived in England and uh, I remember every Paddy's Day and we would get mass as a, as a family. My parents would weep mm. um, listening to, um, you know, Gloria St. Patrick. They were so homesick. So we came home to Ireland when, when I was 12. That was tough and, and brave and, and they obviously had no choice, but taking you all over, that's a big family to head over to England with, isn't it? It really was. And, you know, they they went on to have two more children, Teresa, you you, you obviously yeah, know, know Teresa, yes. and then Mary, the youngest. And uh, I went back to the house there a couple of years ago. I couldn't believe it. Where, wa- it was, where was it, Joan? In, in, in Southam, in Warwickshire, in the Midlands of England. Yeah. And there were, you know, as I said, there were eight, eight, eight children and uh, we had two bedrooms and a box room. And the six girls, there were six girls and two boys, the six yeah. girls slept in the one bedroom. And, you know, when you think of kids nowadays wanting their own room, yeah. and it just didn't cost us a thought in those days, you know. But and it was tough and they were brave. My parents were very brave to do that. And was, was there an Irish community there? Uh, no. N- now, I, rem- I remember one family who originated from Cork, I think. Um, but no, it wasn't. And, you know... Those days you were called Paddy and everything else. But again, you know, as a child, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have taken a blind bit of notice. But I suppose I was at a great age because it was when I was 12 when we came back to Ireland, I just started secondary school. So I, I slipped into things quite easily. But, um, but they were chronically homesick, both of them. Wow. And they couldn't get home quick enough, really. But it, it, it took time. It took those 11 years to be able to... Uh, afford to move home and then you know I think my dad's brother gave him a job in a pub um, and that was grand so so yeah but they were thrilled when we came back. And when you came back had you an English accent then heading into primary <laughs> secondary school? Yes yeah, seemingly I had now I, I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it you know um, now it wasn't it, it was um, it probably because both my parents were had <laughs> a country Irish accent, it probably wasn't as pronounced as you would think. But um, I suppose I did have for for a little while. But you know, again, because of the age, you, you tend to lose it, don't you? Sure, but is it easy settle in because you are you immediately stand out as a bit different? I think that was for sure uh, a, a probably the most difficult part because. The other thing that was difficult was the education was so very different over here. It was so such high standard over here. Um, when I came over here, I started to learn not only obviously English, but but Latin, German, and French. 
And the only thing I couldn't learn, wasn't allowed to learn, was Irish, because they said I should have had, you know, right, the years yes, before yeah. that. But, um, and that was, so all that, the education was so high over here, so, so it was brilliant. But that was the, the most difficult part. You did well academically, did you? No, I was rubbish. Were you? <laughs> no, are, are, do you just feel you were rubbish? No, I really was. <laughs> I was rubbish. Um, I wasn't into school at all. I hated it. And not the school. I mean, I loved the, the, mm. the, the, the obviously the fellow students and all that. But I wasn't into anything to do with learning. I never did homework in, in, the, in the five years I was at school. I don't know how I did it, but I never did homework. I used to mitch on a Friday afternoon uh, because we used to have um, biology and ge geography and there were double classes of each with the one teacher. And I just a long afternoon, yeah. cope with yeah. it. Yeah. So, no, I was rubbish. So I, I left school and started working as a, as a secretary because when because I couldn't learn Irish, I had to learn shorthand typing in school at that time. My God, when you think of it, it sounds so ancient. But I went to college then. I started to actually really want to learn things when I was in my 20s. So that's when I, I, I started studying uh, psychology. But up to that, I mean, it didn't dawn on me that I'd want to go to college or anything while I was at school. And Joan, when you'd meet on a Friday, where, where <laughs> would you go? You couldn't go home, presumably. I did. did I did. And not only did I go home, of course, my mother would fall for anything. <laughs> I used to smoke on the back of the bus as well. I can't believe it. Upstairs, I hope. <laughs> yeah, upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how it all goes. Well, your first song is from your youth, those rebel years, maybe. Yeah. Gloria Gaynor. Again, how old does that sound? So I, I had been going out with the fellow and it was all off. I'd been going out with him for a year and I was absolutely gutted, gutted. And this song, uh, I Will Survive, <laughs> became my mantra. And I would play it over and over. And actually, there must have been some subliminal messaging when I was listening to it over and over. Because, you know, it, it did become part of my life about trying to survive different things that had happened uh, in in my life, so um, but it's a great song. I mean, everybody knows it really. Yeah. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio One. That's Gloria Gaynor, and I will survive the choice of today's guest, the founder of Pieta House, Joan Freeman. And Joan, when we mention Pieta House, I mean you'll always be linked with that and the extraordinary success it's gone on to to have. But what? Can you talk about what prompted you to set up Pieta House? Well, there was lots of things. First of all, I used to provide couple counselling. And um, one of the things that I remember very vividly, one particular person came to me um, who had expressed suicidal ideation. And I was absolutely terrified. And the only place and the only thing I, I knew to do was to refer them to their GP and, you know, I look back at that time with terrible regret because that person just needed to be listened to, you know, to he, he was going through a dark time in his life. But that was probably one of the, the reasons, the main reason, because there was nothing else. And people remember, we're talking about 15 years ago. And you, you just didn't talk about suicide 15 years ago. You didn't even really talk about mental health either. And so... Nobody would would understand the fact that, or at least, sorry, people would believe that if you were suicidal, 
that there was something wrong with your mental health. Instead of seeing that most people who were suicidal were, were actually reacting to a life event or a series of life events. And that probably was the most important understanding of suicide in Ireland, to, to get people to realise it can happen to anybody, but you can also get out of it. Most suicides, most of them can be prevented. I know, but to take on that, you understood there's, a, there's an issue here, there's a lack of something here, but you had your own family. A lot of people are aware of something lacking in society, but they haven't got the drive or energy or commitment to push it through. Yeah, I suppose, I think I was, I don't know why, Des, but I've always been really interested in mental health. Um, and in fact, during you mentioned the presidential election during that time. I was called a one-trick pony, and it is so true. Um, and it, it's still true. And I have this passion about mental health and people's good mental health. One of the things that, that probably helped is that I was, I was pretty much fearless. But what I can't get over, when I think back on that time when I started, um, I had to borrow, I had to borrow 130,000 uh, to start Pieta House and we used our home. I don't know how Pat put up with me, I really don't, and how he agreed and... And we had four teenage children at the time, you know, and it was a massive gamble, but it didn't dawn on me that it wouldn't work. It never, it never dawned on me. I just thought, we've got to do something about this. And, you know, I still feel as strongly then as I, as I do now that this is a very necessary alternative, you and know, for people who are in crisis. Of course, but what did it consist of? At, you see, everybody in Ireland knows it now through the success maybe you know the walk the dark to light walk has yeah. made it made it uh, transparent to everybody and the late late show recently was you know reflected everyone's respect for it but when it started what was it the first few months oh god i mean the first couple of years were horrendous because um because of that very the very nature of it people didn't want to talk about it and um there was very few people who were willing to help insofar now what i mean by that is from a pr point of view and in fact there was um do you know brian ormond he's such Indeed, a, yeah. a lovely gorgeous young man i remember one day i asked we asked him would he host something would he be a presenter on something for a, a, as a fundraiser and at the time his agent said no but Brian came back on the very next day and insisted on doing it. it. It was people like him then that started promoting and pushing Pieta House and pushing the, the fact that, you know, it's, it's actually OK to talk about mental health and talk about that you might have been suicidal or whatever it was. Um, so, but the first, I'd, I'd say the first couple of years were quite difficult because... You know, people have to admit that they had a problem. And you've got to remember that in the waiting room, you know, there was mm. no privacy. So anybody waiting in the waiting room, they all knew that they were there for a reason. And that, wa that was what made it all extraordinary. The fact that then the people of Ireland got behind this. It was just, and you know, no matter how successful Pieta House is, no matter how much darkness into light is, you know, the heroes are the people who came to Pieta House in the beginning looking for help. Because if they didn't, there wouldn't be any service. And if they didn't, there wouldn't be any darkness into light. And, and, and again, the volunteers who run the darkness into light, just, it is an extraordinary thing to, to observe, for sure. And do you, I know it's a long time ago, do you remember the first few people who made contact? Yes, I do. And I remember one young girl 
she had no way of getting to Pieta House. We were based in Lucan. And I drove and collected her and brought her to Pieta House. <laughs> oh, God, they were great days. But, I mean, the thing is, it, it's... it's uh, it's typical of Ireland, though, isn't it? You know, that, that when the country gets behind something, it is a phenomenal success. I mean, it is all over the world, the, the darkness into light walk, and it brings such hope to people, you know? Yeah, but I'd imagine when, I mean, when you set it up, it becomes all-consuming because you have, it's, it's a very, there's a lot going on, must be for your, for your head to deal with all of that, plus you have a family to raise. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. It was all consuming. And I remember saying to people, you know, on, on many occasions, my family didn't come first. They became they came last. And that's why they, Pat and the children were, were just extraordinary that they and I'm using the word allow very loosely here, but but I mean it you know, with deep respect. They did allow me to just absolutely get totally immersed to put our own lives on hold and including our home and our livelihood on hold. Um, but it was it was the best thing that we did because it is a we. It was the best thing we ever did. Well, you mentioned Pat there and he features in your second musical choice, Joan Freeman, uh, Kenny Rogers and Lucille. <laughs> you know, whenever people mention Pat's name, they usually preface it with the word poor. <laughs> poor Pat, I swear to God. I mean, I, I keep saying, you know, we're married 38 years and they are, without doubt, the happiest 38 years of his life. I told him that again this morning. But the thing is, we used to, when we were going out with each other, we used to sing, Pat was into Kenny Rogers. I, I didn't really know him, uh, know of him. But anyway, I got to know this song and we used to sing and Pat's voice was rubbish. But we used to sing this and uh, little did we know that very soon we would be following the song because we didn't then go on to have four hungry children. <laughs> Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Kenny Rogers and Lucille, the choice of today's guest, Joan Freeman. And Joan, you're now up and running uh, in Pieta House and you, you brought in counsellors, is that it? And, and you had to fund them. So you, had, you now have financial worries on top of everything else. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, it, it, again, would you believe that um, it, money never struck me, it never dawned on me that, you know, <laughs> we, we might need money to, to pay for staff. But what was very, what was quite funny in one respect, which, and it wasn't in another respect, was that, you know, the, the board would ask, this is, again, a very young board. The board would say, look, what about sustainability? What about funding? And I would come out with something smart, Alec, like, uh, look, we have the GWP fund. And what's that? God will provide fund, <laughs> which they didn't really find funny at all. But what happened was not only did money start coming in from donations, etc., but there were a couple of really scary days when we didn't have enough money to pay staff. And on one occasion, one of the staff members, she was the, the, the chief clinical officer, she actually took out her own life savings and put it in. Now, she got it back, but she didn't know she was going to get it back. And that was the dedication and the, the, the passion that everybody had when Pieta started. It's it's very humbling that, but but did in the way it consumes you, do, do you end up having to worry about the money and the administration of it rather than dealing with people? That, that of course, 
became like that. I mean, when I stepped down as CEO, it was nine years old. Yeah. And I remember thinking, and I gave two years of, of a run-in when I resigned, as I stepped down as CEO, because I knew I was good at starting this off. I knew that I, I had the ability to start and to maybe to encourage people to be passionate about it. But being a, a, an ongoing CEO is a different kettle of fish. And I knew that after I had 180 staff at this point, we had nine centres. Um, Darkness and Tonight was, was becoming glo a global phenomenon. And I knew that for it to go to the next stage, it needed to have somebody who would have had more experience than I would have. So, but at that point, anyway, I brought it over to New York. So it was like starting all over house. again. Yeah, yeah, Solace House, yeah. And when you stepped down here, you, you stood in the presidential election and, and we would have all seen the recent Dana docu documentary on. Yeah. What, a, what a bruising uh, experience in a way to stand in that election. It was, and I felt desperate. I mean, I was, it was quite upsetting watching that documentary. I knew exactly what she was talking about, though. I mean, running for it, it can be challenging. It can be the scariest thing you can imagine. I mean, I had a lump, a ball in my chest every day from the moment I'd wake up until I go to bed. And that didn't disappear until the, when the election was over. But after saying that, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever done in my life. And I wouldn't, I don't regret it. It was the most breathtaking experience going around the country, meeting people, looking at new projects, looking at the bravery of people. And, and you know, you talk about getting immersed in things. People all around our country are starting projects to help other people. So that, and also it was actually at times that it was quite funny. Um, I mean, I remember one headline saying, Joan of Arc for the park. And uh, there was another, I remember um, Ivan Yates, and he's a pet, you know, he, 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 he livened and lightened the whole situation on, on so many occasions. But remember, I remember him calling me St. Joan and just there were some things that were so funny. I mean, th th there was a, a thing about my love interest, another guy called Des, yeah. my love interest. And I remember saying to Pat one night going to bed, I said, do you know I have a love interest? No, just 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 so that you know. This was the loan <laughs> you got and it became a huge. But having to deal with all of that, I mean, I think it's horrendous that someone stands for a public uh, and, and it wasn't you're not the only one to say this. And we saw with Dana that you have a, a lump in your chest every day yeah. facing it. That's, there's something wrong fundamentally, is there, if it goes like that? It, it, there is. Insofar as, first of all, at the same time, you've got to understand that you are putting yourself under scrutiny. You've, you've bought into this, so therefore, you know, what else do you expect? At the same time, my, my argument always was, look, it's, you're, you're applying for one of the most important jobs in the country, and therefore you should be talking and people should be looking at what are your strengths. And what do you think you can bring in uh, to this role, etc. But what it becomes is, you know, is is a, a, it's a difficult time for um, for the media, believe it or not. It's during the quiet period, uh, they've nothing else to do. This is the, the the way they go about it. And to be honest, as again, I couldn't really give out about the media. It was thanks to the media that Pieta House and Darkness and Delight became so well known. So, you know, I can't run with them one minute and run away from the, the next minute. So I, I was prepared for a lot of that. And and to be honest, I knew that my mental own mental health was good and solid. 
So I was able to get over it. And poor Pat. (laughs) (laughs) He's still not over it. (laughs) No, Pat was, again, Pat was fantastic. He was very um, protective of me. You know, he was terribly, and my kids were so protective of me. So to be honest, one of the things that helped me also hugely was I didn't hear or read anything about me, neither good nor bad. They just kept everything away from me, good or bad. They just didn't let me read or hear anything. Right. Well, Solace House was then launched in New York subsequently, John. It was. In fact, it was a young woman, young Irish woman from Waterford, Rebecca Sked. She got in contact with me saying, could we have Darcy's and Delight, uh, the walk in New York? And I said, of course, so went over. But it became much bigger than that. They wanted actually the service. And originally... It was to look after the Irish wherever they are. This was a service for the Irish, especially the undocumented. But very soon we discovered that, in fact, uh, more than half, I think it was something like 56% of people coming to us were not Irish. And so that that became a really important... So two places were open in, um, in New York, one in Queens and one in um, Yonkers. And so that young girl who got in contact with me at the beginning, she's now the CEO of Solace House. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's thriving too. Thank God it is, yeah. And, you know, that, that sounds terrible to say thank God it's thriving, but it is, it's important. It's important that people do have somewhere to go. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look at your final choice, Joan Freeman, is a song, it's in, it's in a TV advert, some people will recognise it from, but it's a bit of a classic, Little Boxes. Yeah, so Little Boxes, it's a very old song, um, but I remember it as a child. And I remember, it, obviously, the, the lyrics would have meant nothing to me, but it, it was sort of a ticky-tacky thing, you know, that children yeah. would, would jump on. But the reason why I chose that, Des, was because at this moment, I'm doing a, an exercise with people on, on my Facebook page called The Nine Boxes. as part of a mental health package, which I hope to roll out when when this COVID thing is gone, you know, to companies. But at the moment, I'm doing it with people on on Facebook and it's getting them to look at nine different areas in their life. That's why we call it the nine boxes, which, if activated, will contribute to a a, a contentedness, uh, to, to good mental health. And it gets them to look and see what's actually missing. You know, are these boxes active in their life? So, so it's a really good exercise. And I would suggest anybody who's listening to this, you know, go to go to my Facebook page and 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 try and connect to it. And it's just called Joan Freeman. They'll find it in Facebook. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember we said about IT? I'm <laughs> rubbish. So if if yeah, if you go to the Joan Freeman Facebook page, I presume that's how. You, yeah. Well, it's a perfect time for it, isn't it? Everyone needs that contentment yeah. and, and positivity now. Joan Freeman, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure to chat to you. Continued success and thank you for all you've done. It's it's superb what has been created by both Pieta House and Solace House. We're going to play out now with Little Boxes, Malvina Reynolds. Thank you, Joan. Thanks, Des. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.